Okay, hold on. Let's go back to the 90s for this. Ready? <laughs> Remember the Bud Light lizard and the, and he would, yeah. and he was like on all the tables of all the little taco joints and it'd be like what's Yeah, I know those were those were uh, back the good in old the, days. The good old days. I wish. What is the the quote from The Office? I wish there was a day. I, I wish there was a way to, to know, know you're, in you're in the good, in the good old, old days, days before, before you're you left out them. of them. Yeah, yeah. It's, the, yeah. it's not an Office quote. That's like a live love laugh wall sticker from like <laughs> bed bath and beyond by the way is it yes yeah, they stole it they stole club. it from the office then oh yeah sure okay they did anyway <laughs> all right what's up everybody this is green room podcast if you. you didn't know i'm chugging some coffee really megan's chugging some coffee while she's doing that we'll give a shout out to our sponsors sk coffee Woo. olio Woo. and electro voice <laughs> thanks for the mics guys uh, Sounds so great. we're going to get right into it. But before we do, uh, we want to give... So we're not going to get right into it. <laughs> we're not, so we're not going to get right into it. Before we get into it, you know, if you guys like what you're hearing, please follow us. You can find us on all social media, facebook.com backslash greenroompodcast.mn. Yeah. And you if can, you're like in an office or something right now, or you're like in a car with your friends, like yeah. everybody go do it now. Make everybody your friends go. do it. Make your friends follow us. Make yeah. them like our page. So that's Facebook. Instagram, <laughs> uh, you can find us at Green Room Podcast. Twitter, we're at GRP Podcast. GRP that's Podcast, that's what you chose? That's what I had. That's like that's saying, all. I'm going to go to the ATM machine. I know, the ATM machine, right? I know. It's, <laughs> we're, we were... We had limited options on Twitter. We had limited options on Twitter. That is hilarious. GR Podcast Podcast. I know. I know. Anyway... <laughs> So go find us, go follow us, and hey, uh, shoot us an email if you have any questions on future episodes. We will maybe give you a shout out yeah, and or answer if you your questions. Have requests for uh, guests that you would like to hear yeah. on the podcast as well. Shoot us an email. It's mhb green room podcast at gmail Yep. What is that again? Mhb green room podcast. Yes, at because it was Megan Hamilton and the Bermudas that were doing it this. It was then, when we started. Yeah. Then we just started doing Pat and I. So it's still mhb green room podcast at gmail. But you know, anyway. Anyway. I know you guys are all super interested in the logistics of why our email is that way. Yeah. <laughs> right. Anyway, we got some very exciting stuff happening here today. People, we do. Okay. We really do. Uh, let's get into some topics first. The one that I can relate to. I just found this video the other night of this little kid from Blaine, Minnesota. He's four years old. And Blaine, Minnesota is about 10 miles north of Minneapolis, St. Paul. And I can relate to this kid. He's four years old. He wanted some Reese's Cups. So what did he do? Well, his grandma wasn't looking. He went and grabbed the car keys and drove a mile and a half to the gas station to buy Reese's Cups. He did run over a few mailboxes and hit a tree. <laughs> but... Like sometimes, you know, if you have a sweet tooth and, and you got the munchies, you got to go for it. So I commend him. And I thought that was pretty funny. <laughs> I like his quote at the end of the video, too. And he's like, they're like, so why were you? Uh, why did you decide to drive the car? And he's like, I wanted some Weeses. I wanted Weeses. <laughs> and like he looked at he looked at them like they were crazy. Like, when, hello. <laughs> like, Dude, duh. Seriously, that reminds me of the expression that that little girl makes on that viral video where. Um, this mom is like clearly this is, mom in the UK is clearly filming from her phone doing one of those classic parental things where you're filming something ridiculous that your child has done and you're trying to like be stern with them but you mm -hmm. can tell that they're filming for a reason that this is freaking hilarious right and they're stifling their laugh through their like 
you know, trying to sound like they're being stern. And anyway, this mom's like walks in this kitchen and there's this little like two year old on a stool and she's in a diaper covered in permanent marker. And her sister, who's like five, is standing next to her with the marker. Yeah. Just going ham, literally covered, head to toe, face, everything, what? ears. Yes, covered. Wow. And the mom walks in. She's like, what have you done? And, and the girl looks at her and she's like, a zebra. <laughs> and she's like, what have you done to your sister? This is permanent marker. And she's like, it's a zebra. And she's just like looking at her like, duh, bitch, this is a zebra. Like, haven't you ever seen a fucking Don't zebra? You know? Yeah. Yeah. It's so funny, dude. dude. Her expression is like, duh. Like, dude, kids zebra. are, kids are hilarious. <laughs> or on Reddit, they're so fucking stupid. Yeah. Or dumb. Yeah. Some, some One of our favorites. On kids Reddit. are funny. And then when they get to like eight, nine, then they just become really stupid. Oh, man, I don't know. I think we're stupid our whole lives. Yeah, probably true. Yeah, anyway. Uh, anyway, uh, so we have another topic here, cryogenic therapy frostbite. Now, this what is one I put fuck? This is one I put in there. This is making me think of Mr. Deeds. Okay, so cryogenic therapy. Are you familiar with this? Obviously not. I okay. never got frostbit my emotions. Okay, so away. no. Cryogenic <laughs> therapy is something, it's like this machine that you go and stand in and it blows really cold air. And it gets to like negative 280 degrees, right? So the thought is uh, in sports medicine, it's like an ice bath, but with air. And it's good for, you know, swollen joints and pains and aches and whatever, right? Okay. But what you're supposed to do, I watched a video of somebody from CNN uh, going and demonstrating this. And as the temperature goes down, it's like this machine kind of goes up to your belly, and it's just all like lower your legs and lower half. You're supposed to kind of like dance around and move your feet around, kind of like how the uh, Peanuts characters dance, you know, <laughs> it seems like. And that keeps like your body moving so you actually don't freeze. Now, there's this guy in the NFL. His name is Antonio Brown. Uh, Megan, I know you don't care about sports, but Antonio Brown uh, plays for the Oakland Raiders. And he's probably the best... <laughs> Arguably the best wide receiver in the game right now, but he's had foot problems. So <laughs> he just went in to get some cryogenic therapy, and he didn't wear the proper like socks or feet. And he feet. Mr. Deeds himself. Yeah, he got frostbite <laughs> on his feet. <laughs> oh my god! <laughs> Which like set him back even further because well, he's had, obviously, dude. Like that. How about the dumbest thing anybody could do? I want to go rail him with a fire poker. And really, like the science, <laughs> the science behind it says that. This is really no different than just an ice bath. So I don't know why people are going to like negative 280 it degrees. sounds cooler. Cryogenics. I know. Anyway, so that happened. Cryogenics. So if you're going to do cryogenics. See how cool that sounds? It does sound cool. It sounds futuristic. It sounds like something from a Terminator movie. Dude, one time I was like, when we were setting up on stage for Snowda, I remember one time like uh, one of the stage hands was like, do you mind taking a step back for a second? We, we got to test the cryo. And I was like, huh? <laughs> and he's cryo. like, we gotta check out the cryo. And I was like, the fuck is this guy talking about right now? And I was like, sure, whatever, dude, I'll move. And and I was like, by the way, what is a cryo? And that's yeah. what they're referring to is those giant cannons that they have at huge festivals that blow cold air on people or like oh. big clubs and stuff like that. Seriously? Yeah. Cool. But they were trying to test like the. Oh. You know, and yeah. they were like, step back so you don't, you know, like. So you don't get frostbite? Yeah. So you, <laughs> you don't deeds yourself. And um, <laughs> I felt like such a noob for not knowing what he was talking about. But anyway. Yeah. Anyway. Yeah. Hey, you put this one down. Burger King has tacos now? Holy F. What's that all about? Oh my God. I think 
this might be, you know what? I'm just going to read this thing that I found online about someone's experience trying this. Okay. okay. Just a minute. So here's this very viral post made by this dude about Burger King tacos. Okay. Okay. Bruh, y'all know I routinely sacrifice for y'all because I love y'all, despite the fact that ain't nobody's nod, fingernail, daughter, put a ring on this finger yet. <laughs> but okay. I did a thing anyway. <laughs> okay. So I'm in a Burger King picking up a Grubhub order at... And whilst whilst waiting for them to <laughs> whilst <laughs> and whilst waiting for them to finish cooking the dick meat of an opossum for my customer, it hits me. You gotta try a BK taco for yourself, nay, for the people. <laughs> okay. This <laughs> Anxiety guy. fills my heart and butthole as I walk to the counter with my inquisition about said abomination. Hey, bros, what's up, man? We got that Grubhub order coming right out for you. Nah. I lean in and whisper, y'all selling tacos now, right? Have you had one? <laughs> yes, sir. They're good, bro. Yeah? Eyes roll back into head. Consume. What? I said, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Bizarrely placed clap of thunder. I sigh. Yeah, bro. Let me get one. I walk to a booth, gritting my teeth with the excitement, anxiety, and foreboding sense of dread one expects when they know they've just made a terrible decision, my psyche desperately <laughs> clasping to the cliff's edge of hope that perhaps the BK Lounge might get this right. 17 oddly specific seconds later, I hear the battle cry of a market failing to regulate itself. One BK taco! <laughs> this is it. I swallow my pride and retrieve my odious bounty from the death dealer. I sit back down. <laughs> A cold sweat runs down my cheek. I take a deep breath and unbag it. Instantly, a chorus of hooded monks starts singing in Latin. The earth shakes. My prostate quivers. It looks like very jack-in-the-box taco-y from the outside, but when I spread that shell open like booty cheeks, what lied before me can only be described as what I would imagine Nancy Pelosi cleans out of her gaw after a long day of throat-fucking neo-libs with the dirty dick funnel of centrism. Oh, God, wow. is that cheese? or that gunk from Chris Christie's mouth after round 11 at a four ninety nine Indian food buffet. Oh my God, the lettuce. That one little brave piece of lettuce is <laughs> staring at me as if it's begging me to put a mercy bullet in it. <laughs> Beleaguered by the audacity of Burger King to make an edible Trump administration, I cry bitter tears of confusion and hate. Where is your God now? The cashier roars at me as he slices his palm with a ceremonial blade. An obvious blood tribute to Apollyon, king of demons. The room is spinning. The chorus is crying blood as they chant, Jesus wept in Latin to a DJ mustard beat. The mouth of hell itself opens, spitting out the screaming souls of the eternally damned and beckoning my fall into sinful abyss. In these days, I remember why I'm doing this and snap out of it. I will not be defeated by the official taco of the army of darkness, serial killers, and people who listen to Glenn Beck. <laughs> I jump on the table and rip my shirt off. I don't do this for no motherfucking rapping. I do it for the ratchets. <laughs> I scream as I devour the stomach churningly crunchy but simultaneously soggy mass. I black out. When I come to, I'm in the hospital. T'Challa, Pam Greer, Bruce Leroy, and the Gap Band are bedside. Thank you, Wesley. They all say in unison. Thank you for risking it so we don't have to. So long story short, it was okay, I guess. <laughs> I like the Pam Greer reference. Holy shit. That had me dying, obviously. That's pretty good. I hope you're all dying, too. That was so, one of the funniest um, things I think I've read in a long time. I'm crying right now. So I'm in no hurry to go try it, I guess. 
after it's all said and done. My prostate quivers. My prostate quivers. <laughs> my heart and butthole fill with anxiety. <laughs> all right. And on that note, we're going into Sorry. our, uh, seems to be like our current segment. Um, what are we going to call this? Should we just call it trying new shit? New shit of the week. New shit, new shit of the week. And <laughs> it's a, it has multiple meanings. All right. So oh God. what should we try first over there, Megan? Okay, I've been dying to try these poppables for a minute. Okay, okay. so Lay's put out a new uh, flavor of poppables called creamy jalapeno. Jalapeno. What the? Those look like Ritz crackers, like with little holes in them. I think that's like a rude thing to say. Okay, sorry. I don't know. <laughs> what if someone called you a Ritz cracker? I, I don't know. They're not very ritzy. I'll say that. Yeah. All right. Whew. How smells smell? like spicy. Let me smell them. It smells like jalapeno. Jalapeno my Dude, nose. it smells like cooked peas. Oh, God. Okay, cheers. Cheers. Tink. Tink. <laughs> Disappointing. Mm. Not gross, but not exciting. You know what it tastes like? Like a light sour cream and onion chip. I don't really even get the jalapeno. Exactly. Well, it's got a tiny little kick there at the end. Maybe. Okay, right. so I don't hate it, but I wouldn't, like, go ham on these. No, you know, I'd rather just get, like, pickle chips or some salt or and veinies, you know? Or those jalapeno cheddar um, Chex Mix. Yeah, those are pretty good, too. It's, there's more oh, the kick to the jalapeno is, like, at the end. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah okay, is. everybody, there you go. They're Creamy right. jalapeno. I'd give it, like, it's a three. It's not spicy. Don't expect much. I'd give it a three. Now, these ones... Now, these look fucking spicy, and everything yeah. on them is written in... In Spanish, so um, I bet they actually have a little kick. They should. They're what do we got? Doritos. <laughs> <laughs> Doritos? Doritos Flamas. Oh, okay. Okay. Here we go. Pop them open. Give them a smell. Oh. Ooh. Yeah? I don't know about it. So, what? let's see. On the What's to say the flavor is on the side there? Like salsa. Sazonado. Yeah, Sazonado. Yeah. Sazonado. I looked it up. And it just looked to be like a seasoning that they put on chicken. They make like Sazonado chicken. Okay. Or like Pollo de Sazonado. Okay. We'll dig in there. Let's try these. It's a big red pepper on the front. So, all right, here we go. They're very thickly seasoned. Yeah. They, they look, look very flaming hot. Blood red. All right, here we go. All right. These are way better than the last one. Yeah, instantly good. Instantly. And it's kind of hot. I mean, I'm I, kind of a puss. I would buy these. Those are really good. Dude. Yeah. Wow. That's a winner. Easy. Yeah. Woo. Okay, I'm hot. I'm like, I need to turn the AC All right, on. What, <laughs> what are these called? Flamas? Doritos Flamas. Got to turn that young AC on. <laughs> no, turn that off. Okay. <laughs> We're going to get it, hear that on the podcast. I know. That's the point. Mm-mm. It's hot up in here now, y'all. I just need a little burst. But for real, like, I just started perspiring immediately. Really? Yeah. Mm. All right. We should do those, like, hot chips sometime. A hot chip? I'm scared of them. They do, like, the ones where you order a chip online, it's, like, 50 bucks, and it comes with one chip, and it's, like, Carolina Reaper flavored. What? And it comes in a box, because if you touch it, it can irritate your skin. Oh, wow. Yeah. Okay. But now. I, well, we'll get it one time and we'll have Pat eat it. I will. Because I am afraid of that. My butthole is very afraid of that. I'm down for it. Um, my butthole embraces that. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
Okay, and now, okay, so the chip for the chip winner, uh, the chip loser is the Lay's Poppable Creamy Jalapeno. It's not, I wouldn't call it a loser, but it's just not a winner. Yeah, the winner is Doritos Flamas. Doritos Flamas, yeah, yeah I'd buy those. Yeah, but for real, the Flamas is... Uh, Fuego. It's really good, and I'm not usually somebody that, like, this is more heat than I would normally want in something. And for people yeah. that like spicy things, I bet this is just a, mi- a very mild heat for them. But um, I like spicy things, but that's, really a lingering, like that's a lingering spice. Yeah, I'm I still like it. sweating. My upper, I've got some upper lip sweat going on. Do you? Mm-hmm. Well, how about if we uh, cool you down with our next category uh, here? My most dreaded segment of the day. Pat bought these weirdo Zevia zero-calorie sodas and drank yes. the only good one to himself. So I now did. I have to sit here and drink grape soda and okay. fucking root so beer. So what we're trying now are Zevia uh, sodas. Ugh. And Zevia is a sugar-free soda made from... Zevia. Stevia. Made <laughs> <laughs> from Stevia. And uh, or, I'm going to botch this word. That I was brilliant. They were like, hey, it's made from stevia. Fuck it. We'll just call it zevia. I believe it's also made from erythriol. Who which made this? Is like, Michael uh, and Pykel? Uh, it's, well, it's certified gluten-free and vegan. Uh, because Isn't it's made, most soda? Well, it doesn't have refined sugars in it. That's the thing. So this is a keto-friendly soda for those of you guys out there who care. Uh, mm. So what should we try first? We have ginger root beer. Barf. Grape. Barf. Or ginger ale. I could maybe tolerate that. All right, we're gonna crack open ginger ale. Okay. Listen to this sweet crack. <laughs> That's a good one. Wasn't it? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> they, these crack really well. They have a nice crack. That's <laughs> what yes, they tell they me. Do. All right. They say to me, she's got a nice crack. Mmm, ginger ale. Okay, yeah. great. So excited for this. Yeah. Yeah. No. Why do people like that? No. I, I would. I don't know. I'm not a huge ginger ale fan, but uh, I do like root beer. Okay, now, but ging- that's a ginger root. Ginger beer. root beer kind of weirds me out. So here we go. Ginger uh, root beer. I can smell the sarsaparilla now. Oh, by the way, y'all, I tried the new uh, Lacroix hibiscus. Sucks. Hibiscus is like all the rage these days, and I don't know how I it feel about like it. It tastes like flowery Febreze. I don't know how I feel about uh, hibiscus. You guys, you know, I haven't drank a root beer in like 15 years because I hate it. Pat is making me do this right now. You do it. This is for I don't do this, this for the rapping. I do it for the ratchets. Do it. Oh, fucking gross. How the fuck do people like fucking sarsaparilla? I don't really get the... Uh, I like root beer. I don't fuck really no. get the ginger taste in this. No. I need a shitty A&W burger to wash that down. Yeah, this kind of has that A&W uh, taste to it. Like root beer, it has like that fluffiness to it. Um, but it's not as pronounced. A&W ass water. All right. So now we're going to go... Now we're going to go into... My favorite flavor. Ew, this is the grape. grossest. Okay, me and Pat I constantly argue about artificial grape. I'm a fan. I like I grape sodas. I hate it. I was like definitely outdone on the Dimetap <laughs> when I was growing up. And so I've hated artificial grape ever since. But Pat loved like Dimetap. I was a big Dimetap fan, but uh, my mom had to stop giving it to me because it was giving me nightmares. Yeah, so don't drink too much Dimetap, people, or grape soda. You'll get night terrors. I can't wait to shove a big Doritos Flamas chip in my mouth after <laughs> I drink this. Drink it. Oh, I fucking hate you. Grape. Oh, oh it smells like Dimetap. 
Save me, Doritos Flamas. All right. So what do you think about the Zevias? Disgusting. <laughs> okay. So mm, my thoughts. These are so fucking good. My, my thoughts on the Zevias is that I think they're probably a pretty good alternative if you want a sugar-free soda. The one I tried the other day was the Cherry Cola one, and it tasted like Cherry Cola. It was pretty good. It was enjoyable for me, but it was a little too sweet. It tasted <gasps> a little too sweet. <gasps> Flamas got me again. These ones, on the, these ones, on the other hand, the ginger ale, the ginger root beer, and the grape are not as sweet as that cherry Who's going to drink one? all those now? By the way, all y'all, these are all 16-ounce sodas that oh, Pat yeah, they has come opened in, they for they come in 16-ounces. Yeah. And who the fuck is going to drink all those now? Um, the sink. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not drinking those. Yeah, I'm not either. Never uh, again. You know and what? We shouldn't even have soda on the podcast to try because it's just burp nation. I know. I'm really burpy over here. <laughs> I can see just been that. You're like, like trying to like hold on. Like, <laughs> gotta turn your head like every five seconds. Like, yeah, let's have a yeah. burp inducing snack on the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Dude, that reminds me of this. I got two epic stories about this. Yeah. About times when I've been witness to someone thinking they were going to release an epic burp, and they totally just barfed. Oh, gross. Really? Yeah, awesome. <laughs> I've seen it three times in my life. Okay. Really? First one, Paris Bread. I don't know if you're listening to this, but I remember this. I bet Max is listening to this, which is even funnier, which is Paris's best friend. He'll get to tell Paris that I talked about him on the podcast. So I remember we were at this bonfire in, Mont- in you know, Butthole, Montana. We had, like... We had to like clamber into like people's jeeps and trucks because we had to drive down into the middle of this like coulee, like this big, huge sort of ravine where someone had collected tons of pallets and was having the hugest bonfire I've ever seen. And I remember I was standing there and somebody's like, I'm gonna shotgun a beer, some dude. Yeah. And he cracks it open and he shotguns it and it crushes it and throws it in the fire. And as it's like being thrown in the fire, you can just see beer shooting out of it. And Paris is not impressed. He's like, Are you kidding me, dude? That's not even how you do that. That's not how you shotgun a beer. You you didn't even get it all. So he cracks his open, shotguns his beer, and then crunches it and throws it into the fire. And like as he looks over at everybody to be like, that's how you shotgun a beer, he totally opens his mouth to speak and just projectiles straight up <laughs> beer in like an arc. And I'll never forget it. He was like silhouetted and I could see the whole like, I could see through the arc, wow. like the beer arc. What a magical moment. It was magical. This magic <laughs> moment. Yeah. That's great. Um, that was great. Paris, that slayed me. Thanks for doing that. Making that a formative memory in my life. And then um, Vince, I'm sorry to throw you under the bus right now, but we were totally playing King's Cup once and... You kept burping every, like, 20 seconds, like, these huge, like, ridiculous-ass burps. Like, the mm. kind that you're just, like, someone's just sitting there trying to, like, get like, everybody to be, like, nice one, man. Like you a know? creature from the yeah, abyss. Yeah, he would just, like, yeah. take a sip and be, like, <laughs> You know, whatever. Yeah. And then he decided to gamble and lost. And he, <laughs> he like, opens his mouth, burp, lets out this huge burp. And then looks like he's got another one to come in and goes for it again and just, like, barfs right on his lap. It was the funniest thing I've ever seen. And the best part is every time I ever see this happen, the people who do it, their face is as surprised as everybody else. Yeah, just, they don't see if them. not more, they're like, A, not only surprised that they just barfed on themselves, but that everyone saw. <laughs> so, so 
I'm like, it's like double <laughs> embarrassment. And their eyes just pop open. <laughs> and they freeze. <laughs> anyway, um, yeah, I've, I've um, named it the Buke. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. Yeah. Dubuque. You're welcome, everybody. Not to be confused with the city in Iowa. <laughs> okay, anyway. Right. So... Let's move on to yeah. So th- that was our that was our segment. We're gonna we're gonna probably keep doing this this month. Try weird shit. Yeah, and if you have some weird shit to, yeah. for us to try, email, email us, us and we'll go and buy tell us where it and to try get it. it. Yeah. yeah, even weird things. I mean, we'll go try a BK taco, but I don't know. I can't promise my description will be nearly as good as that guy's. Yeah, we'll try we'll try weird food for you guys. Yeah. We'll take one for the team. Yeah. Um, okay, so moving on, we'll just move right into our special guests here. Woo-hoo! Yeah, we have a, a great, great guest for you guys today. Uh, they own their own label called Country Club Disco, and you may have seen them at festivals around the country. Let's give a very, very light clap here for our special guest, Golf Clap. Our first guest tonight is... Introducing special guest. Let's do this. You're listening to Green Room Podcast. Hey, this is Golf Clap, and you're listening to the Green Room Podcast. by machines. machine 
All right, thank you guys so much for coming to hang out with us today. We're super stoked to have you on the podcast, Brian and Hugh. I've met you guys, I think, one time in person when you guys were here in Minneapolis playing a block party or something like that. But um, do you have any shows coming up in Minneapolis anytime soon? Oh, that was the party at the uni. It was the zombie party. Oh, yeah, the zombie <laughs> oh, it party. Was the, it was also the zombie party. It was the zombie pub crawl, yeah. Was that this past year? Yeah. Oh, if I, if yeah. I remember right, they moved the venue at the last second, and so we were playing like a card table and... Oh yeah, yeah. did you guys like end up at Prize Brewery or something like that? I remember being really caught off guard that you were over there, knowing that you were unexpected. Yes, that was not a dance club. Yeah, Yeah. definitely. A lot of people that do not go to dance clubs. Yeah, that is. Yeah, that sounds that sounds like zombie pub. I just was trying to imagine like Prize Brewery throwing an electric. Everybody was lit from the day, and it was crazy. Did you guys get a chance to go see uh, DJ Diesel Shack? play it was happening uh like across the lake from where this venue was at so we could see the whole party emptying out but uh i think it was due to flights or something like that by the time we came in we had to go straight over to the venue i think okay okay cool yeah i forgot that shack was on that lineup yeah he the, was. that lineup is always so all over the place they've had like walk a flock of flame and like I don't know. They've they've done every, gorilla like, gorilla zoe and like just the weirdest dude, shit. Every they've been year. doing it for like fifteen years. It's it's the promoter that thing. does that show. Zach Chazen has like a individual challenge with us about making us be the only house DJs he books at entire festivals or shows. Because uh, last year he booked us at five one five, and we were the only house DJ on the whole lineup. And I remember our time slot was opposing Ganja White Knight going into Bass Nectar on the other stage. It was awesome. Oh, nice! That is awesome. Sweet. Cool. Yeah, uh, Chazen's a cool guy. I've actually known him for like probably eight or nine years. Uh, he used to be a hip hop event promoter here in Minneapolis, and I was an MC. So we uh, go way back, bro. We we but, stayed with him one year in Miami, and like every day when you come out of the shower, he'd always be like bumping like trap music and stuff. So, like that's all he listened to. I mean, like, literally, when that I woke is... up in the morning and I rolled over, Zach was there listening to hip-hop because we were sharing a bed together for five days. There was 14 <laughs> of us in this room. And that's Holy how we fuck. created our friendship. Dude, that's wild. I'd say you'd sort of have to. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> At that point, yeah. Yeah. That zombie pub crawl, actually, I don't know if they told you while you were here. It's um the country's, or probably the world's largest zombie pub crawl. I think last year it was like 22,000 or something like that. They keep having to move it like all over the Twin Cities area because they can't the capacity find keeps going up. like enough pubs to accommodate how many people go to this crawl now. So it's getting I crazier every year. I think that's tagline on the flyer. Yeah. I think that like, it is. It yeah. does say like largest zombie party in the world or something. Yeah. I didn't know there was that many zombie parties though. Um, I mean like we played kind of with the Funk Hunters. Over. Down in Lacrosse. Oh, that's right. For that zombie bar crawl, I dressed up as zombie Darth Vader, but I think he's sort of already a zombie. We got to get you guys into Pontiac. Right next door to Electricity is the world's largest haunted house. Really? Yeah. Yikes. And they actually bleeds over into the club somehow through the like entrances because part of the uh, other thing in Electricity by the green rooms is like decorated. 11 months out of the year, like a haunted house. So when you're walking to the green room, there's like cobwebs and stuff painted on the walls and mummies and stuff. Dude, that's awesome. That's awesome. That sounds scary. I don't, I do not do well with scary things. Really? No, absolutely not. I feel like people like really love that adrenaline rush of being scared. I, I like hate it. It's <laughs> fucking scary. 
you know? Mm-hmm. I'm not a big haunted house person. I didn't even know the, like the story that he just said until just now, and I've gone to that green room like 20 times and always <laughs> wondered why all that stuff was there. For our listeners, we're sitting here with Golf Clap once again. Um, do you guys want to introduce yourselves? Yes, uh, I'm Brian. I'm Brian. Hugh. Hey, Hugh. So we have so, Brian and Hugh here with Golf Clap, and they mentioned Pontiac, Michigan. For those of uh, our listeners who are unaware, you guys are based out of Detroit. And how long have you guys been in Detroit? Uh, I've been here my whole life. Uh, Brian moved up here about seven years ago now. Okay, And awesome. we live off of eight mile right in between the two cities, Detroit and Pontiac. Very cool. How did y'all meet then? Originally we met because Brian submitted a track to uh, my first label, Coyote Cuts, and we signed it and started working together that way. Very cool. And how long ago was that, if you had to guess? Probably about seven and a half years ago. Because awesome. we, you know, right when we started that, right when, right when I met him, we started doing more and more stuff together and playing together. And that's kind of how this all ended up happening. Nice. And then how long after that did you guys start um, Country Club Disco, which is a golf clap label for those that are listening? Probably about, what, a year? Under a year? Yeah, we kind of started it prematurely because somebody wanted to press vinyl for us. And they're like, oh, we're going to press it and we're going to pay for it. We're going to distribute it and all that stuff and then we're gonna pay you for it and we wanted to do it and we had music so like we just kind of ran with it but i'd say like in the last like two years or so it's been kind of picking up a lot more yeah i've noticed that it looks like the facebook groups that you guys are using to like push that have been really successful i've been struggling like personally to keep my facebook groups for those sort of purposes like actually keeping interaction and you know like keeping people interested in what's going on. You guys do a really good job of that. Well, thank you. It's, it takes a lot of effort. It's like brainstorming every day, like, oh, what's something that is going to help the members but still be close enough to our brand and still benefit us in some way and just, you know, balance all those things and find something. Do yeah, you two sure. usually, like, chat about that and you two figure out that kind of content, the origin of that content, or do you, like, work with management on that or anything like that? We do it usually. Nice. Like, management, nice. like, does, I don't know, they do different assets of it than that, I guess. Cool. That makes yeah, sense. It's always hard to come up with that stuff for me. I feel like uh, my manager, Koshi, is, like, instrumental in helping me figure out ways to keep interaction with like that. Keep not, I'm not quite there stuff. yet. Yeah. not on your level. <laughs> So uh, I was curious, Country Club Disco, how'd you guys come up with that? How'd you come up with that concept? I mean, and that was just an EP name that ended okay. up spinning into the record label and the brand. But I mean, all, all of our really brand and our name and everything was more created as a, a necessity rather than some big concept or image behind it or whatever. It was just a name that we had to pick a name. And then we had the same thing like Brian said for the label, we had to pick a name too. So we're... Mm-hmm. Uh, that's what we're doing. <laughs> nice. And then so you guys, like ever since then, you've kind of been running with that as kind of like your brand and imagery as well. Yeah, I mean, with Country Club Disco specifically, compared to any of the other things that we've done before, or most way people throw parties or whatnot is like we've really kept everything the same so that it's driven towards. Uh, and we're not the only brand that's done that, but it's, it just seems to be easier than trying to come up with, you know, a different event name for everything and. Yeah, no, and it's super smart. I mean, it's like relatable. So people have heard it once, and then it's familiar. And they keep coming back for more. Now, according to your SoundCloud, you said uh, the bio. It says a concept that was around before its time, 
And I really like that. So it's like, it, I think it says like it was created about six years or it's been about six years in the works. And now it's finally coming around. Like we were just saying earlier in the past couple of years, you guys uh, have been making some waves and I think it's awesome. I, I think I saw you guys at, you guys played a room, um, played a set at Snowda, I want to say like last year or two years ago. And I thought it was fantastic. Was it in that carpet room? Yeah, it was in the carpeted room. Yeah, and half like of Walker the dance floor Rice. is 18 and up, and the other half is 21 and up. Yeah, that, yeah, shit is that so was weird, weird right? They, they did that. They have to do that the whole festival, though. The whole and, thing and you can so tell strange. your demographic, and just by like walking in the room, you could actually. I'm not gonna say who it was, but I saw somebody's Instagram the other day, and like the whole thing, there's like three people on one side, and like just ran on the other side, and <laughs> it was just a good indicator of their fan base. Yeah, was it uh, more of the people who were 21 plus? No, here's a dubstep DJ. Uh, <laughs> well said so you guys when you when you came together obviously you both have been producing for a while when you guys came together did your styles change did you did you did you add anything to your music musicality i guess i would call it as a duo or did you kind of keep more of what you were doing and just add each other's styles together I mean, I think that that's how we originally linked up was that our musical taste was very similar. Mm-hmm. And that's, you know, and that led to tagging a lot together. And we realized, oh, well, you know, I mean, kind of it's an extension of each other where we both know what each other's going to do. And that's grown over the years. But as awesome. well, like the musical stylings have changed just because of the crowds that we're playing to are much different than the ones we started playing to six years ago. And music in itself has changed quite a bit mm-hmm. in the last six For years. Sure. So I think it's a constantly evolving thing. When you guys uh, when you guys approach uh, writing music and come up with an idea for a track, is it usually let's say like Hugh, if you have an idea, do you bring it to Brian or vice versa, or do you guys a lot of, do you guys get together and come up with um, like the seed ideas? There's not really like a way it happens. It's been every combination that you can think of. I love hearing that. Some people have like a very specific um, when we interview them have a very specific you know creative process that they do. Uh, almost every time and then we have some people more like you guys that were like it just evolves out I feel like it's easy to get stuck though in that way like um we have this kind of common conversation I feel like with producers where we've asked the question of like how do you start a song do you start with the drums do you start with the Mm -hmm. melody do you start with the drop and I find that most of the people that make a lot heavier music are the people that will always say they start with the drop but like for example, like I don't think like just like you guys are saying, I think thing the way like things happening organically uh, summon the best results anyhow. So I've done it both ways, or I've done it all the ways too. Well, sometimes it works and sometimes it doesn't. So. Yeah. Have you guys seen? Okay, probably not. But have, has anybody here seen the? It's like an alien movie where aliens come and nobody can understand their language. And they have to get an interpreter. Oh, um, is that, um, it just came out recently and they like land in that giant egg thing, right? They they look all weird and they like, I don't know, the whole thing's about like a language person or something. And yeah, it's like Nicole Kidman. Um, fuck. It's called Arrival. Arrival. Okay. So do you remember like she's saying something about like, if your language is like a hammer, then all you know is nails or like. If all you give is, if all you show somebody is nails and or if, if it gives me a hammer then everything's a nail yeah okay. I, I don't know like it, like it was like the way it was saying that pretty much like different ways of language or different languages can like make you think differently or speak differently potentially or something 
whole convoluted story was to go back to the drop thing that like if you're going about it that way then you're gonna keep writing it the same way yeah definitely i smell I can, what you're stepping in man <laughs> that's a i've never heard that phrase before I are think you serious i smell what you're stepping in no that's great <laughs> what the fuck <laughs> i've the never fuck heard fuck that before. planet have you been on i apparently i'm speaking a different language i don't know i'm still arrived <laughs> well when you're a hammer yeah i know yeah uh so, you guys, what do you guys have coming up um, for the rest of the summer? The summer is winding down. We're just getting started. Just getting started. That's well, we're doing our tour. It just kicked off and uh, in the beginning of August, and it's going to run through the end of October, um, yeah. hitting all cities. So that's exciting. In the world. In the entire, Ooh. all cities in the world. Every we'll see city. you here soon. Then. Yeah. Hell yeah. What, uh, what city are you most excited to, or what, what country in the entire world are you most excited to go to? Uh, it's actually a U.S. tour, but we were just being facetious. <laughs> Let's say in the U.S. then, what, what, what are you excited for? Minneapolis, obviously. I'm going to have to put my vote in for Country Club Disco at the church in Denver, nice. mainly because we've been always wanting to play a headline show at the church and it's a huge honor to get to do that after many years and then also the last time we were in denver we were only there for eight hours so we didn't get to hang out with anybody oh that sucks dude all the good people are in denver i love them <laughs> love um, the church is What's so up, cool Brandon? though every time i drive pa- like past it at night it's like this oxymoronic experience because it's like all these people like decked in rave attire and like candies and just you know wearing yeah. like not next to nothing and especially when it's winter time this is even funnier yeah. but standing outside this beautiful like cathedral it really? just like feels funny I, I guess i'm not familiar with that venue so what you're saying like, is that you believe that the holy energy has not left that place and it's still considered sacred a hundred percent i feel you yeah i mean 100 percent agree yeah <laughs> it's literally no, like cool. throwing a party on a in a graveyard you know like you're asking, yeah. for tr- you're asking for trouble there. You're messing with the good and the evil in the world. It's a d- nice dichotomy between the good and the evil, different energies. They should they should only book Chami there. Chami like it's every just, day. Just that would be hilarious. Yeah, there? Chami should come every Sunday. Has he ever had a residency there? That's like remember they tried to do so, an all churches tour. They were trying to do like I know, but churches. if he hasn't had like an actual residency at the church, then like his manager, he's a. They were trying to do a tour, like, just in church buildings. Yeah, fantastic. I remember we got a call on it, and they were, like, looking for a church in Detroit to do it at, and there really wasn't anything. No, was... and then they did the other tour where they were trying to do the smaller venues than they would normally play. And we were saying we were going to do the flip side of that, and we're just going to play, like, stadiums and, like, <laughs> venues we can't fill at all. They're just ridiculous. <laughs> so that's lose, awesome. Yeah. Total money-losing endeavors. We'll do it in, like, a suite yeah, just... inside of Madison Square Gardens. Yeah, like yeah, just be in debt for the rest of your life. Yeah, no, the, the promoter as well. It's okay. Yeah. Oh, oh, yeah, for sure, for sure, yeah, for sure. <laughs> They're gonna do it for exposure, though. Yeah, yeah. The thing is, is that exposure is worth a ton. It's just that people have a bad gauge of how to measure it, or and, 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 and so and no. so they're like always getting tricked by idiots and stuff, and then they are like, oh, well, that's like, I don't know. I just feel like. If you can't judge it, then yeah, it's probably hard to pick out who's full of shit and who's going to do something. But if you can judge it, then it's totally worth it. Absolutely, and I think that comes a, a lot of that type of stuff. Uh, 
a lot of that knowledge comes within like maybe the first two years of being out there and touring and you know kind of like getting outside of like the house party also like i think like uh, i was just reading this book essentialism recently and they kind of point out this thing where they say like uh determining like if something's important to you or not for in this case like exposure like judging if that's going to be what's offered to you is going to be an actual like lucrative thing in exchange for your time um is like not looking at like what do i get out of this but what am i giving up by accepting this Mm. and that's a much easier way to think about things in that regard of like um thinking of like what you could be doing with your time instead of this. And mm-hmm. is that more beneficial than the quote exposure you would be getting by? Oh, well, another thing too, is just, I think however committed you are to what you're doing, like the more committed you are, the more the exposure matters because if like, like we know we're going to be here for a long time. So if we have to do something and it's going to take a long time before it pays off for us, like that's okay with us. And, we're aware that it's like it's still the value is there just because you can't see it immediately and some people just want everything to happen too fast and those pay, like the payoff isn't that night after the show and so that's mm-hmm. not fast totally. I remember I was talking to um, Manic Focus one time and he was telling me like that basically like at one point you know I was like he's like I think you're approaching this point where you're gonna have to make like some sacrifices and like they are for the sake of exposure but it's a good thing and like you might lose some money sometimes. Like, for example, like talking about going and being direct support on a show, you know, like at the position I'm in, that'd be a good, it'd be good for me to get in front of new faces to get that exposure. And usually those slots, you know, they don't pay the greatest or like it's not the best travel accommodations or like housing accommodations or whatever. But like, again, like you guys were just saying, like you just have to weigh if it's worth it or not. And yeah, like being able to judge that is definitely. Well, think about, all right. Like you just said the, uh, what you would have been doing otherwise, you definitely wouldn't have been in front of 2000 people getting pictures and video and putting it on all your socials and giving everybody the impression that you're a person that plays in front of all those people and probably get paid lots of money. And then the next time somebody wants to book you, they're like, Oh, she plays stadiums and stuff. Like I'm not going to offer her $500. Yeah, totally. Exactly. And exactly. so, like, that's like that's what I'm saying. Like, that's worth a lot. And like, I'm not saying like there's plenty of people that say exposure, and it just means oh, this is you're doing it for free, and there's nothing you're getting out of it. Like, I'm not saying you should do Most people it. taking advantage just, of people in the business yeah, yeah, under yeah, the guise like, of exposure that can't really offer exposure too. And totally. that's what. The big but thing. I guess exactly. it's just like yeah. when people like write off exposure. I feel like that means it's like a who hurt you type of thing. <laughs> yeah, yeah, seriously. The guise of exposure. The, the, somebody somebody under the guise of exposure hurt like them a, a few times. That's like a pun, too. Double then, entendre. Yeah. yeah. It is. It seriously is. <laughs> seriously, dude. It's kind of hilarious. Uh, anyway. Uh, yeah, so you guys, you've been doing this for a while, um, and we're kind of just touching on this. If there was, If you had to offer one piece of advice to uh, like a producer, a musician, whomever is just getting their feet wet into the touring and live show business, what piece of advice would you give them? Ooh. To ask as cliche of questions as possible whenever you're interviewing an artist. Yes, that's well, that's the advice <laughs> that's I get. Cliche, advice. it's just it's it's like not a it's not a one part question right. by any means. What I always right, like so. Yeah, it's not exactly a straightforward. I know it's a loaded answer, question, but I, I guess 
trying to separate from all right so let's say in house music so there are i want to say like a thousand people that have made a house track that we played or put in a spotify playlist or put in a mix or said we played it or something like in like the last like two years probably like sure i'm just making this number up but something like that and we want to book almost all of them and because they wouldn't sell any tickets and like they i mean that's just how it is and Mm -hmm. i think what he's getting at is is what i say to a lot of my friends and people that we talk to is that this is the music business it's not the music Mm -hmm. and you know a lot of people come into this you know doe-eyed, you know, wanting to be, you know, this artist that's going to reinvent the wheel. And, you know, as the corporate major record label machine has, you know, crept in progressively into this business, it's becoming more and more about how you operate your business. And you obviously will see the people online that have, you know, been disheartened or haven't had success with their marketing that blame that on why they're not successful because, oh, I just refuse. Oh, I wish the days of, you know, when you had to, all you had to do was make music. And it's like, yeah, I, I miss those days too, but mm-hmm. we're not in those days anymore. And right. the days that we're in now are, are much greater. Um, and the voice that you can have and the capabilities that we have are much greater. It's just, it's moving very rapidly. And it's the type of thing where, you know, along with, you know, just like with you would have to keep up with using synthesizers and DAWs, you need to stay up with how social media is being digested. And it obviously gets more difficult because social media is mainly consumed by 18 to 24 year olds. And as you get older, mm-hmm. no matter what you be, you just becomes less and less occurring to you what that is because it's not your actual demographic. So there is a challenge there, you know, mm-hmm. but I mean, I think the biggest, I guess, coming full circle is stay open-minded and adopt a attitude of constantly evolving because that's the only way you'll survive in this business or right. else you'll be one of those guys that's saying, Oh, you know, it should have been this way or I wish everything was this way. And then, you know, you just slowly fade out of relevance. Yeah. That's like, that's like a huge red flag to me is like when people ever say things like, like, all right, like uh, Beatport just did this thing where uh, you can do like streaming or like a subscription service or whatever. Right. Yeah. I saw that. Yeah. It's like anybody that's posting about like how terrible that is. That's already like a, I don't know. That's just like a mental, like it's a mentally, it's a bad way to be looking at anything. You should be saying like, Oh, well, this is how it's happening. How do I take advantage of this? And how do I embrace change? Yeah. Like instead of like finding a way to not do all these new things that are going to help your career. And you touched on complacency and this is, you know, speaking to that right there. It's just that it's very easy to get complacent, especially when you do things right, you know, and uh, even more so when you're a solo artist, I think Brian and I, have had uh, a big advantage by having each other and a level partner playing field where we can say whatever we need to say to each other and you have that constant feedback. So it, it gets a lot harder to like get away from yourself. Like it could be if you're a solo artist mm-hmm. where really nobody in your organization can tell you anything, you know? Right. Right. Absolutely. Yeah. I think like, that's a great piece of advice, you guys. I think what you were touching on is like, some of these artists, you know, the, the people who are shitting on uh, the new technology or the Beatport streaming or like I think SoundCloud does a direct stream to Tractor type stuff now, too, if I remember right. Mm-hmm. Um, but anybody who's like who's kind of shitting on that, uh, it's, it's basically you're closing a door or you're shutting down an opportunity, a potential opportunity. And why would you do that? 
Uh, you, well, even you know, if like, you think it's stupid, then like just saying it out loud makes it like just seem like you're out of touch and right. Everybody else is moving around. Like, or if if you like, people are like, "Oh, Facebook's no good anymore." Blah blah. blah. It's like, okay, well, other people seem to be doing it, so it's right. not like impossible. Yeah, right. And like, it's a, you're just not having success with it, so if something you're doing is not connecting. Yeah, and who knows, like, you, you might not be having success with it at the moment, but if you keep doing it, you know, a year or two down the road, something might click for you, uh, or people might find it, even if it's, if your demographic, let's say, is more, a, you know, a Twitter user, Instagram user, all of a sudden, you know, Facebook might have add a feature that brings people back to it, and the fact, if you would have shut that door two years prior, then you'd be that much further behind, if that, if that were to happen, you know, I don't know. There's yeah. a lot of different ways mental to Mental blocks, it. mental door closing. Yeah, it's all about mentally yeah, shutting doors. And why would you want to? Why would you want to squash opportunities, potential opportunities? And more, um, more so, I guess I meant just like your general mentality of that's your first thought is, oh, this is going to be a bad thing, and it's gonna, like you mm -hmm. should switch your thoughts to being like, oh, like kind of doesn't matter if it's going to be a good or bad thing. It is the thing. How do I right. make this work? Right. And a lot right. of people, too, it's, you know, when you're entering into the music business, it is its own ecosystem. And a lot of people have this imagine, imagination that, like, they're going to come into the music industry and it's going to bend around them and how they make music. And, and it's mm -hmm. really like how to get into the construct of that and go with the flow of things rather than, you know, and it sounds really counterintuitive to, like, what everybody else would say about writing music and, like, being unique. And I'm not saying any of that stuff to not be unique in how you write the music. It's just understanding how the business and the industry works. There's a lot to, you know, making yourself digestible to the, to your fan base, as opposed to being, I don't know what they call the forward thinking floor clearing genius. <laughs> so I don't know. I mean, I'm just saying, Hey, but Hey, that music was really original. Too, too bad. Nobody was there to hear Floor it. Clearing genius. Holy yeah. shit. No, it's, it's funny. Like, so I'm a, I'm a guitar player. And, uh, when I was younger, man, when I was like 18, 19 playing guitar and stuff like that, I had these, you know, um, visions of grandeur, like we're talking about right now about like, Oh, I could, uh, you know, change, uh, styles of music. And I got all this, you know, I have all these, you know, creative ideas, whatever, and blah, 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 blah. And then the more I, uh, you know, got into bands and started playing around and started touring around. I, I just kind of realized that that's not the way things work. And again, to uh, to your point, I'm not trying to tell people not to be creative and come up with unique, original things. But there are some um, there are some concessions or some compromises that if you want to be in the music business and you want to be playing music, that you're going to have to make. And I think the secret is the, the real savvy musicians are the ones who can uh, sneak in their own creativity while still uh, making these compromises and concessions and having their music digestible. And, or, and the other way to do it is maybe just to um, get, become relevant out there. And once you become relevant enough, then you can kind of start doing your own thing because you've already built your fan base. Or a you bit. just use part of your creativity to find ways to like place these things in a like a appropriate manner that makes sense, you know? Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Because like, if you just like are randomly just putting all different kinds of sounds that don't go together, that's obviously like, that's like the far end of not making sense, but right. Uh, 
somehow, I mean, somehow Kanye has been able to do that after his first three albums, though. Well, anytime anybody like uses an example, they always use somebody that's really big, and like those people have the luxury of being able to do what they want. Like exactly, it's like right now. Okay, if somebody sent me like a song, like unless they're in that very top tier, Mm -hmm. if somebody sent me like a song that was house and a song that was something else, song something else, like I would be confused and I wouldn't necessarily not want to play it or sign it, but like it would just have to be really good or it seems amateur. I guess that's the best way to put it. Yeah, that's a good way. I think that, that totally makes sense. Like if it's really sense. good, then you're just like, oh, well, then you're just fired and you can do everything and you're going to do albums or something, you know? Right. Yeah. Yeah. No, Kanye is probably a bad example just because, but I guess that's what I was saying is like when you, if you get to that upper echelon, then you can kind of do whatever you want. But to, to come in right out of the gate with that mentality, isn't going to get you very, very far from what I've seen. From I was, ex- seen. I was explaining this to somebody like, I was like, all right, forget that anybody is even going to listen to your song. Like mm-hmm. I was like, there's so many artists that I, I might have even mentioned their name 50 times in the last year. And mm-hmm. I've listened to their song for five seconds on SoundCloud just to go like, oh, okay, it's like that. And then I, I just need enough so my brain can like box them into some category because I there's too many people and I don't have time to like understand everybody's whole essence and history mm-hmm. and discography. So it's like, especially if it's not like a kind of music, like if it's like some kind of music I'm not super into, I just need to know what it is. So I'm not like totally clueless. Right. And so I guess my point being is that you almost have to like promote a release, like pretend you can't hear the song. Mm-hmm. Now, what's the best, like, how can you promote it? Mm-hmm. And like, think about it that way. And like, okay, so how's it going to look and what labels is it is going to be on to like make it seem like it's being pushed by the right people? And how do I mm-hmm. like just all the other things besides the actual song because they matter as much, if not more. Absolutely. That's just playing into uh, human nature. Like I think it's just human nature. We have a um, tendency to try to com- compartmentalize and uh, categorize things. You have to take that into account when you're making music and when you're putting yourself out there from the business perspective, I think. And think, think about all the people that like, especially people that are like managers or people that book festivals or like, like the high end people that you really want to know who you are and stuff. Mm they probably aren't listening to like they're they're listening to even less stuff than normal people are because they have to compartmentalize more acts because that's what they do for a living exactly uh so when you guys are doing um your la- i know we've been talking a little bit about the business side of things but from a label management perspective what do you guys what have you found to be some um of the challenges to get to get it up and running here over like the last 5 or 6 years well, like, all right, so, you know, like, the one percenter thing that they talk about, like, on Wall Street and stuff? Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's, I feel like, I feel like the DJ game and the label game are both kind of like that, where it's really hard to break into it, and then once you're there, it's kind of hard to fuck it up. Mm-hmm. And it's like, a, for example, like, on Beatport or something, mm-hmm. if if some label that has five years worth of releases and a bunch of number ones. They're going to have so many people following their page, like through Beatport, first of all, but probably like, it's not always like a exactly proportional with it, but like their socials and stuff are probably going to be more and just all that Mm -hmm. kind of stuff. Right. So it's like, 
they can put an average song out or something and you can put out something amazing but they have like a 20 to 1 ratio on you of, what, of who's going to hear it distribution right. they just have way more impressions like it's just no it's like, like same with the dj thing it's like uh as a promoter or something there's not many people that sell tickets in like certain categories and once you get to a, in the next category that's even like more rare like all right if you want to throw a festival that's uh like edm or something there's like you know bass nectar skrillex and odessa and there's probably 10 people like that that are mm. at that level right and so that's what i mean it's like uh you just have to get into those levels and like um like beatport right now specifically they do something called the hype chart which uh, certain labels can get in there and you can start charting in there and mm. it, it's it's kind of like a bridge to get you into the actual real charts okay so that was one thing that helped um, awesome with just beatport in particular you know yeah for sure for sure and now i want to i kind of want to ask you guys a question um i we pretty much have been asking this to every one of our guests um but how did you guys go way back in time? How did we how did we get into music? Do you guys have a musical background? Did you just start DJing? You know, what what's the story here? Um, when I was like eight, my friend had a snare drum and I ended up getting my parents to get me one like a day or two later or something and then played I uh, got like a drum set and played that for years and then when I was like 16, I sold my drum set and Got turntables and sampler. Nice. You since then? Hell yeah. I, uh, my dad's a guitar player, and his dad's also a guitar player. And his dad's a guitar player. And his dad's dad was also invented, dad invented, invented the guitar. guitar. Yeah. His dad. <laughs> <laughs> like, my mother's side, they invented the guitar strings. Nice. And, uh, a match <laughs> I actually thought out. that uh, I was going to be, they, I mean, my dad didn't push guitar on me because my hands are too small. I ended up playing violin for about 12 years. And sang and was in some musicals and was potentially being groomed to like be an actor as a kid, but I'm really glad I never did that <laughs> or or was in a band. And I don't know, I started throwing rave parties when I was young and DJing at them. Nice. That's awesome, guys. We got to ask this then because we've been asking all our guests this lately. What's that? It was all inspired by two weeks ago when I went and did karaoke. Oh, Yeah. What's your go-to karaoke song, you guys? I don't sing anymore. <laughs> is that a that song? Part, that part of his life is over, Megan. <laughs> if I had, I mean, if I had, if you were going to like, if I was lost a bet or something and you made me sing karaoke. Yes, you sure. lost a bet. Sing? I mean, you know. I never would, but <laughs> when I was really young, I did it two times. And if I remember right, it was Young MC, Bust a Move. And maybe Tone Loke something. Nice. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> it's really Classic. weird that I have somehow been able to avoid karaoke because my, my mother's side of my family is Chinese Filipino and they like love karaoke. Oh my God. Everybody. Yeah. And they're I, horrible at it, but everybody drives it though. I had my mom like drive me to a grocery store to do it the second time because the first time it was cool. It was like when it first. A grocery like, store. Yeah. It's the underground, it's the underground circuit. You're not supposed to talk about it. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. Shh, shh. They do it in the cooler. Less acoustics. Okay, so did you pick one, Hugh? No, because I, I can't even remember when that would have been or 
You wouldn't, you, there's not even in the hypothetical scenario, would you get the hypothetical Hugh to do karaoke? Fair enough. I'm working Fair on enough. getting my voice back. You would do David Zoe House every weekend? Yeah, that's what I would do. I would do Shiba-san okay. That's what I would do. Okay. okay. Yeah. There, you'd, but, you'd kill it. People would love it. I would change your mind to that. <laughs> and then you guys could do it together like a duo. It'd be like yeah. it'd be like nothing. We used to say that we did a duet. Better. It wasn't a DJ performance. It was a duet. Yeah. <laughs> oh man. It's funny that they don't call them duets. What? Oh. <laughs> yeah. Do Why don't they call duos duets? What, what's the difference? I think that's when it's two girls. That's bullshit. <laughs> We're taking it back. A duet. I don't know. Like to me. <laughs> I impl- it implies singing, I think, but maybe yeah. not. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it makes not. sense because yeah, it's quartet bit, uh, is gender based. It's definitely but, but no, if more you, like, used for singing. If she played like guitar, is that a duet? I think that's still a duet, though. Yeah. Yeah. No, the duo the is male. The duet ensemble. is female, right? I don't think it's a defined <laughs> term that narrow, but it just makes me think of singing. Okay. No, okay. I've totally, looked, totally looked this up. Okay. Thing. It's totally a singing thing. Right? We're just joking around? No, you looked it up? It's totally not a singing uh, thing, it's dickhead. Not? No. Okay. Okay. A duet is a musical composition for two performers in which the performers have equal importance to the piece, often a composition oh. involving two singers or so pianists. It's a duet. So, it's oh, a du- pianist. so it's a duet involving That's two a pianists. Duet. Yeah, but a piece for two <laughs> <Well>. pianists <laughs> performing wow. together on separate pianos is a duo. So, like, if you're playing at hmm. the same time as someone else... And it's like, but it's not like orchestrated together. You're not like equally playing. Then I guess it's a duo. Hmm. If you're playing the same, sh- if you're playing the same song. Well, we're where we have four tables. Like we're both DJing the exact same set next to each other at the same time. It's gonna just be twice as loud, right? That's what that means. No, but, like, but only <laughs> one of the plays. I'm on once. the left. I'm in the left channel. And then we just rotate per beat. Okay, so oh, yeah. basically you guys left, are a right, duet. Left, right, just, but you can't tell because it's the exact same. It's the exact same thing. Yeah, just and we put, just got really good at doing the exact same. Just really like, slow phaser. No one's on ever one caught channel. us on it. It's just like, I don't know. Wow. It's a new technique that we've been trying to push. It's good. I'm just saying, people t- people knock pre-programmed sets, but nobody's ever done two pre-programmed sets side by side. <laughs> That's the skill, you know? In tandem. It's kind of like keeping a mix in for the whole mix. <laughs> it's like pre-programmed duet see and you know what like we're joking about this but this is just one of those doors that we're going to keep open because you never know what the future might bring guys so be right next to that idea of getting to vote for a song yeah from the crowd. oh my god isn't that a thing now okay so everybody else was looking at how terrible that is okay this is perfect thing like i was uh yeah wasn't even trying to segue this but um when i saw that i was thinking like all right that might be stupid, but what if, like, I don't know, what if you had, like, an app or something and you could find some way to ask questions in some kind of game to where they don't realize that they're being data mined and, or care, <laughs> and <laughs> if you could somehow know who your audience is at each show, like, like something that, like, if you download it, every, like, the app, every time you walk, like, close to the venue or something that's like the certain one it pops up like uh like your uh your thing on your phone when you go to the airport oh sure yeah 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 so i don't know it's like something like that and it has like a little game or something that like somehow can extract information from you and then you know like who their favorite djs are or something like i don't know like if you're playing festivals and you're going around to different cities if it 
Dude, I'm saying yeah. there's there's probably some clever way that you could oh get information from people that would help yeah, you yeah, without yeah we could play a better set if we had all their algorithmic data like displayed on a little hid up in front of everybody or like yeah downloaded up to the front of the booth and you could tell if i had like their heart rate and everything and then i could see like <laughs> while i'm djing if we're actually getting them moving more you know you know what you do you know what you do guys you like like at your uh when people are in line at the show or whatever, when you're advertising a show, um, have them download this app, play this like little game, whatever that you can get their stuff and give them some like bullshit merch, like a sticker or something. People would do that. I'd say like 75% of people would do that. I mean, I'm joking, but I mean, this is actually something I've tried to pitch to be developed and some other companies are starting to try to develop this, Dude, but it's, seriously. it's, it's like hybrided off of stuff that a couple other companies have also done just to kind of track their behaviors, habits. Mm. Uh, uh, I mean, um, their customers' behaviors and habits inside their facilities, you know? Yeah. Because everything's going algorithm, so. Right, right. And then, you know what? You guys could just be up there. Um, the set would, like, you could just have your, your pool of songs, and the algorithm would build the set for you. And then That's you the other just... thing I'd say is that, like, I honestly think that something like that should be incorporated into like record box for DJing and stuff. Like if, if there's a way that like it could tell you black mirror shit right here. Dude, yeah. But no, like if it could just tie into Spotify or something like it, it could at least tell you like, okay, instead of telling you like the next key, the thing that's in the key and the BPM, it could be like key BPM and the close, like based on the last four songs you played since your set started, this is like the closest to the artist that people would like. So that way, right. like, yeah, like if I was just playing a bunch of AC Slater songs, then it's going to show me like night based type of music. And it's not going to show me like boom boots, slow, sure. chill stuff, you know? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and like, it cool. just like show, and it'll show you like what is next or something, you know? Yeah. Like, absolutely. I mean, I'm not like, saying it actually picks you in a row or anything, but like it, it could give you a recommendation. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. And not only that, but what made me think about it was on Spotify, when you make a playlist on the bottom, it, it gives you recommendations to add to your thing. Mm -hmm. And so, like, uh, I was going through some music where I didn't really know, like, the genre that well. And I made a playlist, and then I went on the bottom, and I just kept hitting refresh, and I found so much cool stuff. And I was thinking, like, you could just take somebody's track, like, all right, let's say I wanted to play, like, Jaws or something, and like a dubstep mm -hmm. set or something. I'd find his set put it in my Spotify playlist and then just go on the bottom and keep hitting refresh and playing and find like a whole new set that sounds very similar to it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Interesting. See my brain's spinning too much now. <laughs> Way to go guys. All right. Well, we'll probably not take too much of your time up here anymore, my yeah, dudes. Yeah, we'll um, wrap it up, guys. If you want to plug anything on the way out here, of any uh, releases you got coming up or exciting things that y'all are doing on Facebook that people should join or um, tour dates, etc. Yeah, where can we find your tour dates, guys? On all of our socials, which is Golf Clap D E T. Cool. And it should be the top link, and it should tend you to master gig and there's a link with contests to win free tickets to all the shows which i think that's just concluded but there's going to be some new contests and we're also doing something with this app unity u-n-i-t-e-a that uh, will have some upgraded kind of experiences for each show uh, for some of the shows they should license that queen latifah unity song 
U N I T E A. You calling a bitch or a hoe? What up, JMO? Um, so yeah, be on the lookout for that. And uh, we have two exclusive lanyards with jewel holders that we're going to be dropping. Uh, first hundred guests at every one of the shows. We have a cool. biggest compilation or biggest release yet of the label on Friday. Okay. And that's going to be, so this episode is going to probably be coming out next Tuesday. So this, you're saying this upcoming Friday. So by the time this episode comes out, it will be out, people. He was just explaining that to me. Hell yeah. With bad hand signals. <laughs> <laughs> it's all good. One time, uh, just recently, Megan was giving me some hand signals and I totally spaced out a question to our guest and I'm like, oh, can you tell us about this or that? And they're like, I'm literally just talking about that right now. So we should start like making predictions and stuff. Dude, yes. Um, all right, guys. Well, hey, thanks so much uh, for coming on today, and uh, good luck for uh, your upcoming tour uh, for the label. I'm sure you guys will be killing it because you always are. I'll probably check you guys out in Minneapolis when you come here. Nice. Thank you guys very much. We're going to leave you guys with some sounds. Love yes. I love it. All right, thanks, y'all. Talk to you soon. Thanks, guys. Oh, my God. Okay, thank you guys so much for hanging out with us. We really appreciate you. Hugh and Brian, I'll see you soon, I'm sure. Pat's over here burping up a storm. This grape soda. This is grape Zevia, dude. (laughs) That shit is hilarious. So you go back in for it. Nice. Mm -hmm. Very nice. Okay. Anyway, yeah, thanks guys for hanging out with us. We super appreciate it. Um, those guys are really kicking ass in terms of being really inclusive with um, and interactive with their fan base and just really being helpful starting production like conversations and offering free samples mm-hmm. and tutorials and articles that are super helpful for other creatives. And yeah. they are very interactive with their fan base, like I was saying, which is not super common. So they're, right. they're some really cool people. And they're just so on top of everything. They have so much going on. It's just really, really impressive. Yeah, and yeah, it's crazy to see how far they've come. I remember finding out about them probably about five, four or five years ago. Right, right. And I saw a girl at Infrasound when it was still at NCN walking around with a hat on that said Country Club Disco, and I remember yelling, a nice golf club hat. She was so shocked that I knew who they were. Yeah, we yeah. had like a moment where we were like, yes, I love those guys. Hey, you like what I like. Yeah, ah. hey, hey <laughs> you like what I like. Hey, you wear the same, you like my sports team. Woo. Oh, God. Okay. <laughs> anyway, you ruined it. So <laughs> That's anyway, pretty much the same I'm thing. Kidding. Yeah, I know. Okay, what do you got coming up for the rest of the month? So, yeah. So on the 24th, I'll be playing with Bass Physics and Cofrezzi at Cervantes Masterpiece Ballroom in Denver. That'll be really fun. Uh, I'll be there the 22nd through the 26th. So if you're in Denver and you want to hang out, hitch girl up. In the following month, I'll be doing a few days with Cofrezzi. We'll be going through Houston, Dallas, and Austin. Ooh, cool. Yeah, so that's really exciting. Jimmy from the last episode. Jimmy Townsend, Jimmy Townsend is coming to TM us. Which is, is he? Yeah, exciting. Oh, man, he's going to have a great end for Hot Drive Girl Summer, Drive us around man. the great of Texas. Yeah, Fuck you know? yeah, dude. And that should be pretty fun. Me and Ben are working on a song right now that I'm really, really stoked on. So dude, I just saw Me him Fressi, I mean. in, uh, in here in Minneapolis like two weeks loft, ago yeah. at the loft, and it was fucking cool. He's fantastic. He He's is great. Really I mean, I've, every time I've seen him live, it's been great, but this last one it was I a thought good was opportunity awesome. to go plug our podcast with him. We've done a podcast with Kofressi. Yeah. So after this one, go check it out. He's a cool dude. Yeah, I'll was be I hanging believe, out with him next month? Uh, it was sometime last September. It was like episode 32 or 33. So go check that out, guys. Yeah, cool. And anyway, we will see you um, in a couple weeks here on the Green Room Podcast. <laughs>